Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. We will be chatting about the week starting Friday, August 6th. Once again, we've made it another week into kind of post-lockdown world. Another month. In another a month. In a way. Like, I mean, We're in really, August. But, yeah, it was my birthday yesterday, so I'm a whole year older than I was last podcast. I've learned so much. I watched Willy's Wonderland in your honor mm, yes. for your birthday. Quality choice. <laughs> Instead of buying you a gift, I just watched eh, a Nick Cage movie. That's a gift <laughs> unto itself. I got the shirt uh, from that movie, so I was I'm totally going to say, they must have made a shirt. Yeah, and it's like an official, they had like a website for, I don't know if it's like williswonderland.com, but I mean, that could be it. And they had, I don't know, like if it's just that the director, there were, a lot of people were asking, I'm assuming is what it was, because like in the movie, it's not a spoiler, but he changes the same shirt, like, yeah. I don't know, 15 times or something. He just keeps... Like it gets dirty or whatever, so he puts on the same shirt again and again. So I was just like, "Oh man, that's that has to be a shirt." And I looked it up, and it was only, it was like twenty bucks. Like it wasn't terrible. It's a nice shirt. It's a ringer shirt. You know, they're gonna sell a lot of those shirts to Nick Cage fans. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, I mean, it was. I would understand someone not liking that movie. Like, it's it's absurd. It's you know, it's a ridiculous film. Like the Banana Splits one as well, but. I really like it. Like, and again, I don't think this is a spoiler, but he doesn't talk in it. And, and I'll, yeah. I, I thought that was awesome. Like, because it's Nick Cage, you know, like you expect him to not just to talk, but to maybe yell. I just know. think it's crazy that it's essentially the same movie <laughs> and Banana Splits are a Hanna-Barbera franchise. Mm-hmm. And this is more of like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing. Yeah. But it's the same movie, and it's it's so strange. And you were saying they were filming this one before Banana Splits came out. Yeah, supposedly the writer-director was saying like he had this in development for years and just, I don't know, probably waiting for Cage, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But but he like handpicked the movie, you know, because people joke about, you know, he just gets for a paycheck or whatever. But he obviously saw potential in this movie, and he liked that it was, like, he's a huge fan of silent film. And so I guess that was one of the reasons he picked it, because he'd never done a silent film. And then this isn't a silent film, but he's silent in the film. So it's basically counts. You don't got to learn any lines. It's yeah. Best. And I thought, I just thought that was so funny. Like of, of all people, like if it was a thing he does all the time, it was, oh, it's another one of those movies where he doesn't talk, you know, I would get it. But it literally he's done a hundred movies. Right. Or more <laughs> than. And so I'm like, you didn't think that was kind of neat that he for once wasn't over the top? Like he couldn't be. But I thought there was a dinosaur in this one. But is that another movie? <laughs> I don't... Uh, Somebody told me he was fighting a dinosaur in a movie. You know what? I think that... Yeah. That does sound familiar. Now that you're saying it. And I'm like... Maybe. That was my only letdown is I was waiting for a dinosaur to <laughs> like show a brontosaurus up. Or and something. fighting in cage. Anything. Yeah. Maybe that was the... Uh, maybe they just got mixed up because there's like monsters in it. Yeah. And I think we maybe that was like we hoped that. Hope we, we got there that was going. a dinosaur. Because I remember the early talk. It was like, oh, he's he's fighting, you know, computerized things, possibly dinosaurs. And it was not. Like my, they were like animals, I guess. It's like my hope right now that the bizarre rumor that they're going to cross over Fast and Furious with Jurassic Park is mm. a real thing. <laughs> yeah. And I got tricked into going to see Fast 9. It, oh, I saw it too. It was not a good that's, movie. That's not good. No, but... But after seeing that movie, now I'm just like, when they announce, yeah, we're doing a Jurassic crossover, I'm just going to like shrug and be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, those, I don't know why, I still can decide if I had seen eight or not. I still really don't remember if I did, but I don't know. I saw this That's, one and... That doesn't sound good. I, well, yeah, because I just, I think it was that I was going to watch it and I was like, ah, I don't really care about this. And then I did watch Hobbs and Shaw. Which was pretty fun because those, those, you know, The Rock and uh, Calvin Jason and Statham. Hobbs. Calvin yeah, basically, Hobbs. you know, but they're shooting people and stuff, you know, same thing. Uh, but yeah, this one, it's for me, I'm like, okay, these two action bits were good. Like, that's the best I could say about the new Fast and Furious. It's like, it's two hours and 20 minutes. You kind of know what you're getting into. 
I don't know. They were driving through a minefield. I thought that was kind of neat. That's I, the I think they could have shaved <laughs> off like 45 minutes. Yeah, at least <laughs> like 30. I mean, if we're trying to... If they took out every paragraph about talking about family, <laughs> just say that once and we're like, we get it. You're doing it for your family. Yeah, it, it, Helen Mirren was only in it for like a minute. It felt like, like a minute yeah, of footage. Yeah, she was cool. All the, the kind of gimmick actors, Charlize Theron, Kurt Russell, yeah. Helen Mirren, were in it. Oh, not yeah. too much. Kurt Russell's barely in it. Yeah, he showed up for like a lunch hour. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, and his one scene is basically like a Zoom call. Like he's <laughs> yeah. not even like on screen, so I don't know. Literally, it's a Zoom yeah, call. Basically, yeah, they're like, oh, we got this uh, this footage sent to us or whatever, and it's him like really badly shot, and he's just like, oh, there's a rogue agent. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but anyway, there's a rogue agent, and uh, you know, find me. And that's about yeah. it. <laughs> And you're like, okay, I mean, you didn't have enough strength or time to be like, the rogue agent's name is this. Like, I know that's, you know, the point of the movie. They're trying to find the, whoever it is, but come on. But, like, what is impressive, like, just speaking of the franchise, it's a 20-year-old franchise. <laughs> they've done 10 films because then there are nine main films in the Hobbs and Calvin and Shaw yeah. movie. <laughs> Robert Shaw Robert and Hobbs Shaw or whatever Hobbs. it was. Yeah. But that's 10 films. The first film, I don't think was low budget per se, but was a smaller budget and was an L.A. race car movie. Yeah. And that 20 years later, it has evolved into full-blown science fiction. Yeah. The character that Idris Elba played was a superhuman. And in this one, they go into space. Yeah. And maybe in the next what? one, there'll be dinosaurs. Yes. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, you so knew that was they're competing coming. <laughs> with, I guess they're competing with Mission Impossible or something. I Pretty think much so, yeah. yeah. They're like stupid Mission Impossible, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... I honestly have only seen... I saw the second one in theaters, the Too Fast, Too, too Fast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw that for free, so it made it better. <laughs> I've seen... I guess I've seen the first two. Okay. You saw it? the one without Vin Diesel in it. Because Too Fast was the only yeah, I one. Saw the, oh, yeah, I saw the first one that had Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. And then the second one that had Paul Walker and, and Tyrese. Uh, Tyrese. Think, yeah. And then the third one was the Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. Drift. Yeah. yeah. And, it's and just... I, I tuned out after the first two. And they're all yeah. still in it. Like the whole canon of that universe are all still in the franchise. Mm -hmm. And even poor old Paul Walker is still there. But they're just like, we're going off on a big adventure Who's going to take care of the kids? Yeah, and then his don't... wife goes, oh, he'll babysit. So he's off camera babysitting. Oh, is that what they did? Because I never got... Because yep. in the first 10 minutes, they do the like, oh, uh, hey, like every single movie, I know you're out, but we need your help again. So here we are to ask. And Vin Diesel's like, no, at this time. And then everyone else is doing it but Vin Diesel. And he's like standing there with his kid. And the next scene, you hear the engine and they're like, oh, he came here. I was like, who the hell's watching that kid? What, like Paul Walker. Paul I didn't, Walker's watching I didn't catch that at all. Okay, that, that quote unquote makes sense. But yeah. I did, I did kind of LOL at the end. like Because, again, not a spoiler, but at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, there's one more person coming, and you see Paul Walker's car in that, the end of the movie. Yeah. And you're like, so he's just... He's like, there. We're never addressing this? <laughs> he's always running late, that's I, all. I, it's almost funnier. like Because are they going to try to build this up to, like, part 11 is going to have this tearful death of him, but he's not even in it? It's Yeah, it is. It's strange. It is, you know, it's a sad conversation, but... I can't think of a franchise that lost somebody halfway through. Or not halfway through, like... <laughs> we don't even know how long yeah, it's going to be. Four-fifths through. Yeah. But, like, because, of course, like, John Candy died during a production. Brandon Lee died during a production. But this was the co-star of the franchise, mm -hmm. of which there's been, what, like, two or three movies since he's died. Yeah. I can't think of that happening ever before. Because in other movies, like, say, 
if a James Bond or a Batman dies or someone in Star Trek, you can kind of keep going. You, yeah. There's different stories to tell. But this is the first one I can think of where they just kind of kept going. Well, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And that changed the movie because mm-hmm. I remember initially they said the first movie was Hans, the second movie was Luke's, and the third movie was Leia's. So they're stuck in this horrible situation where they were like, oh, what do we do? And they had to, they had to rewrite in the 11th mm-hmm. hour and everything. So yeah, it, it's really this strange the show must go on but yeah. like black panther is gonna be interesting because kind of like a green lantern i guess you could be like oh now there's another person called black Panther. like there's not just one black Panther, or yeah. there, maybe there is and now it's this person well like, and in the comics shuri was black panther okay for a while yeah so that's already it's so funny any like chauvinistic nerds <laughs> who complain about that you're like it happened already in the comics yeah. that you pretend to like. It happened already. Yeah, so, it's, it's canon. Come on. Yeah, but and that he got to finish all of his Black Panthering, mm-hmm. both Black Panther, Black Panthering. But now that they're continuing the franchise just with the world, it's strange. But in soap operas, they just replace you. Like in soap operas, I happen to watch an episode of Dark Shadows today, and right during the opening credits, it goes. The role of Burke Devlin will now be played by another guy. And you're like, wow, the guy who's done 250 episodes is just gone. I should look it up because who knows what it could be. It could be something as simple as he got a gig on a movie or mm-hmm. whatever. But soap opera doesn't care about any kind of canon. They just like, bam, replace him. Weird. That's, yeah. that's such an abrupt thing. And you're just supposed to be like, okay, well, I guess it's this guy now. Yeah, you just, you just <laughs> roll with it. You're like, okay. Can you imagine them doing that on... ER, like, the role of George Clooney will now be played by someone else. No, they just have the character leave. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember when he made that jump, when he did... Uh, Peacemaker. Well, I was going to go with the good one. What's <laughs> it with the J-Lo? You know, the one that was actually good. Oh, yeah. By uh, that, that filmmaker we really liked. The Steven Sonnenberg movie. Yeah. Uh, Out of sight. Yeah, out of sight. Yeah. That's, I was like, damn it, what the We're not looking called? at the internet. We're yeah. thinking. No, it's like, you know, Peacemaker, also that. But <laughs> more so his other stuff. Uh, out of sight was so good yeah and that was great the book is good too that's that first movie where people were like oh wow you know he actually maybe could work in movies as well and that movie ties the soda burgerverse into the tarantino verse because michael keaton is the same character yeah he shows up uh in out of sight for like one scene i forgot about that i love that the part where he tosses the gun out the window (laughs) he's like heads up and he just looks (laughs) up and it goes right out the window like it's just a little tossed off scene like literally yeah that was i think I haven't seen all her films, so I can't truly judge, but I think it was early, but I think that's J-Lo's best movie. Could be. Like, I mean, I, I didn't see U-Turn, but I don't think that money was like one of his. Oh, was remember, she in Remember that? Money? Yeah. We, that, was like her, that was like one of her first kind of big roles, I think. That's so fun. We were just talking about that. She was a fly girl on In Living Color. Yeah. yeah. That was her first gig, I think. And then... Man, that's funny. Yeah, Money Train might have been like one of her first yeah. movies. And yeah, because the U-turn was pretty early and like, you know, yeah, and Anaconda and... Like Anaconda. Oh, Anaconda. Yeah, like I said... We Anaconda and Money it. Train might have been the same year or something. I could see that. Yeah, like 90... 96? 95 or something. Yeah, ish. Yeah. yeah. I went to Anaconda as like a first date movie. We, it was a single screen. We didn't really have a lot of choices, so... Yeah, it wasn't super romantic, but I, well, I don't know. I mean, the the snake was like squeezing people tightly. So yeah, it's John, like kind of John Voight with his goofy Cajun yeah. accent. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, we didn't really focus on that part. But I mean, that cast is crazy. Like Owen Wilson and Ice Cube yeah. and like Ice Cube. Eric Stoltz is in it. Oh yeah, so of course. Like, how could I forget the top actor? You know. I bet you those effects do not hold up right now. Not I even bet then. you they look like a PlayStation Two snake. Well, they probably yeah. are better than like 
Sharknado. Probably. It was yeah. pretty bad. Like, the only one I remember is when, I think it's Owen Wilson, someone's going up the ladder and the thing, like, circles, like, a bunch of times underneath them. And, and even at the time, I was like, I, I don't believe this. Like, That's when CG was, like, just kicking in. Because now we have this nice blur where I like in Star Wars where they have a lot of practical, a lot of makeup, but then mm-hmm. a lot of cool CG. But I remember back then just everything. They were like, hey, we made a cow in Twister. Yeah. And they were so proud of that cow. Man. They were like, look at that cow. Man, and Deep Rising, obviously. I was just thinking. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Anaconda well, Deep Rising. When they <laughs> blow the monster up in Deep Rising, it looks like it's made of ceramic because yeah. it just sort of shatters into pieces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, it's memorable, though. That's uh, a very CG thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's, yeah, it just breaks into pieces instead of like... Anything better than that, basically. <laughs> it's a good idea for a mo- I like the idea for the monster in, mm. in Deep Rising where it, it drinks you. Yeah. It, it's like, does it, it eats you, right? It's like, no, it drinks you. Yeah. It, it, does, just, does, does. it drinks you like a, like a smoothie. See, I thought, like the stuff kind of, but not really. I mean, yeah. if you turn into the stuff, I guess, for the monster, I don't know. Well, the stuff, with the stuff at first, it kind of brainwashes you, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, this is all we're going to eat now. This is really good for you. And then you get... Your head explodes, and then you or turn into marshmallows or something. Yeah, right? and it's you know, there's worse ways to go, I guess. There was a poster for this stuff in the Ma and Pa video store that my dad would bring me to, mm. and it terrified me. Like I was a kid, I was probably like you know six or eight, and it was the poster with just like the goo coming out of oh, the yeah. fridge and the people screaming. Yeah, it's creepy. And it's when you're that age where horror movies are out there and they're kind of tantalizing but you still are terrified of them mm-hmm. and i remember looking at that and being like i'm never going to see that movie that movie's yeah. so scary and now i'm kind of like oh it's kind of like a comedic horror film yeah as a kid though like that would have i didn't see it as a kid but it would have creeped me out like some yeah. of the effects are genuinely off-putting like just like, yeah great creature effects like the blob you know you, like you don't want to see the 80s blob as a kid i mean you do but it's yeah. just traumatizing it's everything like that it's all the movies we saw Thanks to either cable TV or video stores that we should not have seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should we should have we should have had a few more years there. VHS covers making the movie in my head was also good because I wasn't allowed to see most of those movies <laughs> until my later teens. I remember actually being tricked by the Final Friday, by what Friday Thirteenth Four is that yeah. the last? <laughs> well, theoretically yes. at the time, <laughs> I remember seeing that and being like, "Wow, that must be a big deal. They're stopping. That's the last one." And then there was a lot more. But yeah. I wonder how many grown-ups were tricked by that and then angry. If the internet had existed back then, would people have been furious? Like, you lied to me Friday the 13th. Yeah, and I almost feel like it was that three maybe was like a drop-down finance-wise from two and one. And so they're like, all right, well, we got to, if we say it's the final one, you know, we got to get people in the theater one last time, you know, before this implodes and we stop making these. Yeah. I almost feel like that's what it was. And then you're like, ah, oh, shoot, it did well enough that we can keep doing this yeah. forever. I wonder what they're going to do after these two Halloween films, the next two Halloween films with mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis. I would love it if they went back and went like, hey, we're going to try Halloween 3 again. We're going to yeah. do another like off-brand Halloween movie. Yeah, or like the Halloween Chronicles or something like that. Yeah, because nowadays, and nothing new, like they don't want a franchise to die. And if, let's just call this Halloween 3 of this round, does well... They'll want to keep doing them. Yeah. They'll want to keep that brand alive. Yeah, I'm not really sure what you would do. Because like with Friday the 13th, you can keep putting them in a camp and you're, you know, I don't know, space. We already did that one. But, yeah, you know, like yeah. with winter or whatever. But with like, yeah, with Michael Myers, I mean, he has a lot more of a like tight 
story you know like yeah. with, with so it's like okay he's trying to kill jamie lee curtis again and again and then he's getting stopped or he's not getting stopped but it's like after you've told that story so many times i, I don't really know where you go from there like the, his story is intrinsically attached to her they, story they could just stop because they seemingly have stopped friday 13th and nightmare on elm street yeah like it's been a long time since well they, they did a reboot of nightmare and i don't think it did well or something yeah yeah and, and like friday 13th still caught in the legal bs which yeah. supposedly might be nearing an end but if you believe Corey feldman and, and i'm uh-huh. not to be a jerk but eh. why wouldn't you believe Corey feldman <laughs> not saying he's the first guy i'd believe with stuff but yeah, I mean, Shelley from Friday the 13th 3 is literally a lawyer, and he said it's it's not uh, resolved yet. So, I mean, Shelley wouldn't lead us astray. <laughs> you know what I remember being as shockingly decent was the straight-to-video Lost Boys Part 2 and 3. Yeah, and, and like 2, I think they only kind of show up in the last bit or whatever, but yeah. they're, in, they're in 3 more, like the Frog Brothers or what have you. But I didn't see both of them, but I remember hearing one was good, one was not as good. I remember both of them being like, and again, it's the most backhanded of compliments of like, yeah. I thought that was going to be terrible, yeah. and instead it was passable. Yeah, like it's low budget direct to video, so you know what you're getting into for the most part. But you know, like it, it had it had those guys in it. You know, yeah. wasn't that what you <laughs> it want? Had those guys in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be good. It had those two guys. We were talking about Nick Cage as usual and the Cageisants, but I just read hot off the presses the Brendan Fraser Assants yeah. is, is kicking along. Oh, we love that. He just got cast in. Darren Aronofsky's new movie. Oh, jeez. And Martin Scorsese's new movie. Well, I knew about Scorsese. Oh, is that Killers of yeah. the Flower Moon? Am I yeah. saying it right? I think that's right. Let's I just call it Killers. Right. Those are the right words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you said them in the right order. And the director of Palm Springs, the cool Groundhog mm, Day movie. Good movie. So he's in three cool new projects Damn, coming up. That's incredible. And I th- a lot of it, I think, is from uh, his work on Doom Patrol. He was so good. Even if it was just... Well, no, he was in it a bit, but he was kind of... They did like the Rocket Raccoon thing where yeah. he, the, there was a there was a guy in the costume and then he was doing the voice. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he was so good in it. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of got people like, oh, wait, he was he was good. Yeah, he, I forgot about this guy. And he had a supporting part in the new Sonnenberg film noir kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And he was also very good in that. And he never went away. It's almost like when they talk about Cage or Michael Keaton or somebody having a comeback, then you look at their IMDb and it's full. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, they just weren't doing kind of super a-list stuff for a couple of years but they weren't like poor bella lugosi like they no. were still working yeah it looks like brandon fraser's doing some cool stuff coming up which is good because like in his younger days he did a bunch of goofy stuff but what i always liked about him is he could pull off encino man and then do the mummy which for his time was like indiana jones for a couple of years there yeah. and then do some really heavy drama i like that he was a real actor mm-hmm. and so i think that's cool that he's getting a chance to do some more stuff coming up yeah and we all remember that the director of the mummy directed deep impact or not deep impact deep rising we what? don't care about deep impact oh that's right yeah <laughs> why Summers. didn't yeah nothing against our pal treat williams <laughs> but why didn't brendan fraser star in deep rising i mean he should why didn't he star in more i things? think it was written for harrison ford deep oh, rising man. and i'm not surprised that he would turn and that of down. course Harrison Ford's like, I'm not doing that. Because you think Stephen Summers would be like, "Uh, hey, Brendan, we just did Mummy and Mummy Returns. Do you want to be in Deep Rising? I wonder if he turned it down, though. Maybe it was like, yeah, he was like, no, I want to do more drama now or something. It was restricted, wasn't it, Andrew? Or was it it a 14A type thing? 
Deep Rising? Yeah. yeah it was restricted. In was. the States, it was restricted. Yeah, that's what I figured. So maybe he was just sort of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do an R monster movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do uh, Devil Wears Prada or whatever it was that he was in. <laughs> Bedazzled? Yeah, that's Bedazzled. the one I was thinking of for sure. <laughs> oh, that's probably like it. He was like, no, I'm going to star in a Harold Ramis movie. It's yeah, gonna yeah. It's going to be great. It's gonna, yeah, it's the next part of my career. Like, you, you could never flaw somebody for doing something like that because I saw Bruce Campbell do a Q&A at a Comic-Con and somebody asked him about Congo, and Bruce, in a very <laughs> sarcastic Bruce way, said, well, look, my agent called me and said, there's a movie coming out, and it's produced by Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall and Steven Spielberg, fresh off of Jurassic Park and all this yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, from the writer of Jurassic Park, too. Yeah. Lucasfilm, Industrial Light Magic is doing the effects. Michael Crichton, yeah. humongous writer of the time. Action figures, also. All this stuff. And he's like, who wouldn't do it? And then it didn't work so well. But like, you can't fault an actor or anybody because like, a project on paper often looks really good and then just doesn't work. Yeah. Congo could have been the next Jurassic Park. There could have been six of them, you know? <laughs> but so it, there wasn't. I forgot that he was even in that, to be honest. Yeah, not a big part. But that was the era where Bruce, it's hard being an actor. And in that era, he auditioned for Batman Forever. He auditioned for The Phantom. He auditioned to replace... Mulder in X-Files. So all this stuff that he was second or third choice for, that we were we were that close to this Man. universe where Bruce was in Batman Forever or Bruce got to be on X-Files for a couple of years. He so. got beat up by a T-1000? Yeah. Like, come on. That's weird. Or Billy Zane. Billy yeah. Zane's not cooler than Bruce. That's not a weird... Like, and he was up for to be Batman? Like he yeah. wasn't like to be Two-Face or something? Because he'd be a good Two-Face. He would be. To be fair, probably every handsome 30 to 40 year old in hollywood auditioned for batman but yeah. he said he did audition for schumacher he did you know re read some lines for him so wow but that's every every movie has stories like that of almost weird stories of people who almost played parts burt reynolds had played han solo instead oh, of man. harrison ford that could have been much better <laughs> better nolte yeah we, we i want that too eric stoltz why not <laughs> he's too young but the point is the eric stoltz back to the future stuff is now that they've it's out, I think everyone's kind of made peace with it. And I think on like Blu-rays and stuff, they actually have some footage, I believe. Like that's a fascinating thing to think about where we could have lived in a world of Eric Stoltz doing three Back to the Future movies. And I think Michael J. Fox would have still been fine because he still was doing other things. But man, that's a weird thing that and that he's still in it, right? Like there's yeah. a couple of like shots of his hand or shots of his leg or something like that. <laughs> like where it's like, yep, that's Eric Stoltz's foot. <laughs> Better than Eric Roberts, probably, but I mean, that's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other kettle of fish. Okay, so let's chat about movies coming up this week. Starting on Friday, August 6th, and going through the 12th, we have an Ottawa premiere of a film called Camelot. It's a French... With a K. With a K. Okay, okay. French film from France, and it has been doing gangbusters over in Quebec. It shows you kind of the... It is not indeed a small world. It's a big world with pop culture being very big other places. So this is based on a TV show. It's won awards and it's really popular. So this is the big screen outing for that. Kind of the same way they've done recently with Downton Abbey. And be interesting to see that the translation of that to the big screen. Because I've never heard of it. No, neither have I. it's very popular. So it's just like that Lupin thing or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're like, we don't know these things. So our other premiere this week is uh, a big one that we've been getting a lot of requests for is Annette mm, which all right. just won best director at the Cannes Film Festival and was nominated for the Palme d'Or 
it stars Marion Cotard and Adam Driver, Kylo yeah, Ren. Say Kylo Ren. <laughs> Kylo Ren. Say it. And it looks like a big epic musical fantasy kind of. It's like two and a half hours long, which oh, goes against what I usually like in a movie. Oh no, wait, but you're still looking forward to but it. But this looks really good. It looks really interesting. So like, yeah, it's not good, but if it has Kylo Ren or another Star Wars character, then maybe the two maybe and a half hours would be okay. Be okay. And what's interesting is the Sparks Brothers do the music in it. Oh, weird. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. that's another example of someone I have never heard of before and then Edgar Wright did a documentary on them, which is also on our radar, of course. We hope to get it sooner or later. And also two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Annette. So this real like underground band that I'm not a big music guy, but I've never heard of them. I had never heard of them either, I don't think. And they and have like 20 albums. And, yeah. And yeah. They're, they're kind I of like to change that. <laughs> they're kind of like a band's band, you know, like one of those things where people in the biz know about them yeah. but normies don't know about like them. A, they might be giants type thing or something probably like that, but yeah much yeah. bigger <laughs> yeah where like they'll sell out like a 500 seat arena in every town but not a 2000 seat arena in every no. town. I, I knew i kind of knew the name just to read it but i didn't i knew literally less than nothing about them so yeah so i hope we get that sparks brother movie mm-hmm. just i would like to see that too so then our two retro movies this week are Kicking off the Man With No Name trilogy is A Fistful of Dollars. And we'll have parts two and three in the weeks to come after that. Not to be confused with A Fistful of Bimbos. No, different film. Is that a real movie? (laughs) Well, it's it's a reference to Crash. And in Crash, when James Spader goes to... They go to the, uh, the junkyard full of the wrecked cars. And so he goes to the car that he collided with and there's a porno tape in there and it's called a fistful of dollars of course so i saw that good good i saw that and i thought oh we're showing a fistful of dollars (laughs) in a couple weeks that's the kind of thing we go for here like it it, it leads i just had to interject with that (laughs) i can get behind that and of course that is the movie that saved the western genre and gave us clint eastwood and and is you know awesome (laughs) (laughs) but you gotta see all three gotta see all three at the mayfair only And then wrapping up the week is An American Werewolf in London. Classic. 40th anniversary presentation. And it's funny, I just listened to a podcast where they were interviewing Rick Baker, who did the Oscar-winning makeup effects in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think this was the first movie... No, was it? It was one of the first movies to give a makeup effect for? Is that correct? There's something about that. That sounds right. I can't say 100% I think before it had special effects, but this was the first one to put makeup yeah. right front and center because it's yeah. considered to be the best transformation scene in all of werewolf history yeah by and then many. in the well, next before they just did dissolves yeah this basically one, you yeah. actually see it and it's so gross in a good way yeah <laughs> it's well it, what sells it is a lot of it is the performance right yeah, like yeah. You, like just the agony he's in when mm-hmm. he's going through it and the sound so, design as well like, yeah this the is sound so, like, and, it's too much but not enough yeah because you see the universal monster Wolfman. And yeah, mm. you're right. It's just a guy laying there and then they would cut and throw some stuff on his face. <laughs> a bit of fur. <laughs> and be like, don't move your head. Yeah. And that's that's how they did it. To be fair, that effect blew people's minds yeah. back in the day because they didn't know anything about editing or stopping a camera or yeah. anything. But yeah, American Werewolf is this kind of cornerstone horror comedy. Mm-hmm. And every horror comedy to come, whether it be stuff like Scream or Shaun of the Dead, really has something that came out of that because mm-hmm. before that you look at the couple years before american werewolf and it was real horror it was like the hills have eyes and texas chainsaw mm-hmm. so this was really a different 
offering from the genre for yeah. sure and had different kind of characters in the lead didn't have kind of the uh the handsome leading man it kind of had like a couple nerds in the, in the yeah. lead of it but very good movie and yeah and the effects still stand up yeah like one of the things i like so much is like his the sort of sidekick but not really you know that that has like his all cut up in the neck yeah, griffin yeah, yeah. dunn yeah yeah and it's just like dangling there and it's so like wet looking but like he's playing it for laughs almost as well you know <laughs> yeah. and it's just so weird because like your instinct is like oh it's so, it's so gross but it's really funny and that character is great like it's really amazing that they're able to to pull off the comedy as well and then american werewolf in paris <laughs> was not mm. as a classic of a yeah. film. Yeah, we don't normally do double bills. And <laughs> well, like we won't be doing points it. for Julie. I like Julie Delpy a lot. Oh, yeah, she's great. <laughs> it's And I mean, it's following up that movie is going to be difficult for any, any movie, you know, but still. Oh, Who God. directed London? Do we know uh, some guy? Paris, you mean? Paris, I sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this a trick question? Yeah. <laughs> I used to know, but it's like, ah, gone. Yeah. It's just such a, it's such a forgettable movie. Like, But yeah, so this is another kind of this new trend that we've been doing the last year and a half or so of we've got an offering of two new films and two classics the two new films are very different one is a french film one's the award winner from Cannes, and then horror comedy in a western so mm. it's again it's what it's what i like about the mayfair is getting nice diversity in there a little something for everybody so yeah these horror classics have been really killing it not oh, yeah no pun intended but yeah we've been on a real roll the last couple of weeks more to come i'm sure yeah i can't wait halloween's right around the corner yeah i know there's so much time to put together our complete halloween <laughs> yeah. you know, marathon or something so we're gonna wrap things up for the week thanks for listening everybody you can tune in to mayfairtheater.ca to see about all the upcoming films we update the website very quickly once we know of any information to share we're on twitter instagram and facebook of course and you can get advanced tickets through events.com thanks again and we'll see you soon at the mayfair bye bye, -bye. i waited till the end to tell you that i went and saw the green knight so that nobody knows that i went to a different theater that wasn't this one how dare you i know but i don't worry it'll never happen again this is the story of two young american students traveling through england on the night of the full moon I heard that. What was it? It could be a lot of things. Fate let one live. A lunatic must have been a very fierce fellow. Wasn't a lunatic. What? A wolf. Oh, be serious, would you? And now everything is changing. 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 John Landis, the brilliant young director of Animal House and the Blues Brothers, has turned a classic tale of terror into something new. Something different. Excuse me. A naked American man stole my balloon. I'm a werewolf. <laughs> Werewolf in London. Something different. <laughs>